everyone, we are jumping in here with what we're going to call, I guess, Calvary Distinctives 2.0. And my name is Mike Foch, and I'm here with Brian Weed. Hello. And we are assistant pastors at CC Philly, Calvary Chapel of Philadelphia. And we were just going through Chuck's Calvary Distinctives, his book that he wrote, if you don't know about that. And we're going through it ourselves, and we thought, Maybe we could put out a little bit of an update of this book um, for a couple reasons. So first, I would just like to say, if you're going to listen in, we're going to walk through the book, each chapter of the book, this session going through, we'll call episode one, the preface, kind of the beginning of Chuck's book, why he even does it. And we would encourage everybody who's going to listen to this to please get the book and read through chapter by chapter and then you can follow up kind of in the discussion with us. But to just start it off, um, we want to jump in and talk about why we would do an update of Chuck's book. Why, why would we even kind of want to discuss that or look at it? And I'm going to give a couple reasons. The first is just because at this point, we are, myself and Brian included, second or third generation Calvary people. Uh, most people, I think, who attend Calvary Chapels right now might not know who Chuck Smith is, possibly. Most, particularly, have never known him personally. And Chuck Smith, for me, was never really my flesh and blood example. Yeah, so myself either. Uh, I have, my family has roots back in Southern California. Uh, my mom and dad uh, went to some of the concerts early on, the, the those concerts that were bearing so much fruit at Calvary Costa Mesa, ended up at Calvary Chapel of Anaheim, and then um, migrated to the East Coast when I was five, and I grew up from the time I was seven years old coming to Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia. So I would agree, I've, I've always known who Chuck Smith was, but certainly he didn't know who I was, uh, never knew him personally, and was had that level of remove from him. Yeah, and I um, was born out here in Philadelphia. My father's a pastor, uh, Pastor Joe Foch of Calvary Chapel of Philadelphia, and he had a relationship with Chuck Smith where they would talk, but I never did. And um, I think one time when I was at the Bible college, he came into the coffee shop while me and a friend of mine were buying Dove bars. Everyone and, who went to the Bible college has a Chuck story. Sure, yeah, and and we asked him which Dove bar he liked best, and I don't <laughs> yes. even remember what he said. But you don't remember? Yeah, I don't uh, remember what he said. Actually, he did. <laughs> he did thank us in the end for not asking him a theological question <laughs> and just asking him what Dove bar he liked. Were you but, predestined to like that Dove bar? Yeah. Chuck? So that's that's about the extent of our personal relationship there. So th- that said, the things in in this book that we believe and we're connected to, we're connected to not because they're Chuck Smith example, but because they're biblical. So we want to show that the biblical principles remain the same, that we are, we would say, Calvary Chapel, because we see it in the Word of God, not just because it's on our church or it's what we grew up in, that being Calvary Chapel for us is the logical outcome of what we believe about God's Word. Yeah, and I think to continue the biographical point of it for both of us, at this stage in both of our lives, I think we could both say, Mike, you confirm this, that you go through a point in your life where you begin to 
not necessarily maybe call into question, although maybe, but but look into everything that you were raised to believe. We were both raised in this church. Mm-hmm. We were both steeped in sort of Calvary Chapel ways of doing things. My parents came, my, my dad particularly came out of a Presbyterian church. My mom was sort of nominally Catholic before she got saved. And he always loved Calvary as sort of a foil to some of his more, I'll say more liberal church upbringing. Uh, but I, it was all I had known. And so you go through that time of where you start seeking out, wait, what does the Bible say about this theological position, this church practice. And for myself, this there was a personal process coming to the place and saying, no, no, I believe this because the Bible does it, and I'm going to stay here into my adulthood because I feel that this is a faithful expression of the Scripture in terms of church practice and belief. Yeah, I think that's, that's the unique experience now that second or third generation have. So the, the first generation people, there wasn't Calvary Chapel, so right. either you were coming out of a godless background where you had no kind of religious background, or a lot of people, like Chuck himself, left the denominational system where maybe they agreed with certain things, but what they saw in Calvary was more true to what they saw in the Word of God, and what they felt in their own heart was always a real fundamental biblical emphasis. And I think it's easy to forget not that we're going to spend this whole podcast talking about Chuck Smith, because that's not exactly the point, but by way of introduction, the story goes that he did what he did so often because he was just almost desperately sometimes trying to say, I just want to simply put into practice what I see in Scripture as simply and then as powerfully, hopefully, as possible. Let's just do the things that we should do based on what the Word says. And if the Word doesn't give us direction, let's give ourselves some freedom. And so a lot of what he ended up doing was out of those very simple commitments. And it's easy, you know, at this stage in the game to look and go, why do we do this? Well, it is at least helpful to remember that these things were done for biblical reasons. Yeah. So a a lot of those people originally left certain systems to enter Calvary. Now, we who are growing up in Calvary, you know, familiarity can breed contempt. We We can be totally unaware of where we're unique or why certain things are done certain ways. It's easy to move those landmarks because you don't know the value of why they're there. And and I think there's a lot of people like you and I who maybe are sitting there searching through, do I really believe these things? Uh, is this really what I hold to as you get exposed to maybe other kind of expressions or practices in Christianity? So we hope that this kind of discussion will be valuable as we walk through it. Yeah, we're all aware of people it's probably not people who are getting saved out of the world. It's probably people like us who've grown up uh, in and around things at Calvary Chapel. It can become very easy to sort of say, ah, you know, I'm going to go try something else. And look, wherever the Lord leads you, it's not really our point to try to change anyone's mind or stop anything. But it is helpful to look around and say, let's just remember why we do the things we do, especially when we're saying, this is what the scripture says. Yeah. So to say that, we're, we're... also pointing out that these things are biblical and that there's still a valuable, unique presence to our movement as we continue to grow. So Chuck says right in page one, and I'm going to try every time to pull out a quote or two from Chuck that really, I think, summarizes his main point in each chapter. And even in the preface, he says, what is it that makes Calvary Chapel different from other Bible-believing evangelical churches? It's always good to have a grasp of the unique work that God has done in our fellowship. If Calvary Chapel is exactly like the church across the street, 
it would be better to simply merge the two. But if there are distinctives that make us different, then we have a unique and special place in the plan of God. Certainly, there are churches that share many of our beliefs and practices. We're not renegades. But God has done a wonderful work of balance in the Calvary Chapel movement that does make us different in many areas. So, you know, as we walk through this, we're going to show hopefully some of those unique things and their biblical basis. But obviously, it's by example, it's unique to have a movement whose distinctive is expositional preaching. We know there's a lot of guys out there who say that, but as far as I know, we're the only movement that has that. It's unique to have a fellowship built around more than simply the essentials of of the Christian belief and of faith. Of the Christian belief and faith, you know, the main things, but one of the illustrations Chuck used was that Calvary should be like McDonald's where you know what's on the menu. When you know you what go you're going to get. Yeah, you know what you're going to get, which adds to, I, I think, a couple things. One is the the idea of finding a home somewhere where even if I'm, say, Baptist or Presbyterian, and I go to another Baptist or Presbyterian church, there could be a large difference of what was believed in my one Baptist or Presbyterian church than what is in the other Baptist or Presbyterian church. And certain things will be essentials, like we baptize babies or we don't, but maybe whether they're reformed or not, whether they're dispensational or not, whether they're more contemporary or not, there could be a large difference. Where Calvary's, you you have a pretty good idea, this is going to be largely the same thing. Yeah, Chuck's illustration of McDonald's might not be helpful for some people, because you just might not might not like McDonald's, and you might think, I don't want the church to be like McDonald's. His point had nothing to do with making a church actually like McDonald's. It tastes good. You just feel bad afterwards. (laughs) Um, I think, actually, his larger point was about koinonia. We were talking about this when we were preparing, and it was occurring to me just as we were talking and prepping. Really, it's a point about fellowship and saying that I should be able to sort of go to any Calvary Chapel and feel that I'm you know, at home, so to speak, spiritually. Part of what is he's actually saying is we should have those kinds of living connections where it shouldn't feel like I'm going to a different country or going to a completely different type of thing, and that creates connections. Sometimes we think about distinctives in terms of exclusions, you know, exclusion of people who maybe shared different types of distinctives, I guess you could say. Uh, but actually, the internal result of it is this koinonia, is this mm-hmm. this connection between churches i'm sure you know wherever you're at if you're listening to this hopefully you have other churches around they don't have to be calvary chapels but at the very least the calvary chapels should feel like family to you and you might also feel like family with a couple of different churches in your neighborhood and that's praise the lord that's awesome there's unity around the things of the spirit but definitely if there's a couple you know different fellowships out there flying under the same banner it should just be like it should be like brothers living in different houses, not even like distant cousins. And I know we have that around here. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, I'm the young adults pastor at Calvary Philly, and it's funny because I think all the young adults, it's actually, we just have one big area, young adults ministry, and they meet at different churches on different nights because they sort of all move back and forth. And I think part of that's because of the, I'll say commitment to this this idea, this vision that Chuck had of um, uniformity in a good sense in the yeah. terms of, of living fellowship. Yeah, voluntary uh, association because of not just what we see scripturally, but an emphasis that we see scripturally and think should be put into practice. Um, and it gives you a, a, a clear conscience as you worship. 
you know, like I, I could worship at most any church, but it would be harder in some because I'd have to work through mentally a bunch of the things I don't like or would have to reject or see as unbiblical. It's easier when in my conscience, I agree with the things that are happening and I don't have to battle through some of the rest of it. So to have those Calvary Chapel distinctives that we can agree on does provide for a unique type of fellowship. Um, So that said, uh, again, we're going to take the book kind of chapter by chapter. Again, I encourage you, please pick the book up, uh, grab it yourself. You can order it. You can find it online. And most people should know how to do that at this point. Um, We're going to take in each chapter again, the central point Chuck is making from his own words We're going to establish the biblical basis of that, sometimes a little bit more than Chuck does. Sometimes we'll leave it to him because he he does a thorough job in those arenas. That biblical basis is what's universal. Then we'll touch the applications, which are individual. So sometimes Chuck will make a point, such as in one chapter, it's the centrality of Jesus Christ, particularly in our worship. And his large point that we would agree on agree on is that Jesus should be the center yes. of our worship. But his his applications or examples are, at Costa Mesa, they wouldn't have people stand during worship. He talked about going places where there was praise dancing or even helping a gentleman who was yelling too much during the service to sit down and stop yelling. Uh, those applications are just the way he tried to describe living out that main biblical point yeah, in his situation in his situation yeah. so uh that's why i think some of this is again we wouldn't say in every calvary chapel now nobody can stand. raise their hands or stand during right. worship that's the application but what we would say is yeah calvary chapels do believe that jesus should be the center of worship and focus at the church and shouldn't be distracted we shouldn't be distracting as individuals or in the way we would run our service from the focus being on Christ. Yeah, so we'll probably be sort of aiming this at people. Oh, I guess this is the last point here we have. You're aiming this at people who are either in leadership or feel called to ministry or service in a church. So we're going to be talking probably mostly from that perspective. Yeah. But hopefully this will be helpful for anyone unfamiliar with Calvary Chapel in general uh, just to get a basic idea, maybe you're new to these things, and so you, know, you can listen to this and read Chuck's book and get a general idea of why things are happening the way they're happening. Yeah, so uh, anyway, we can help you along the line here. Uh, you can find us at Calvary Chapel of Philadelphia. If you got extra questions or something, want to shoot us an email, bweed at ccphilly.org, yeah. mfosh at ccphilly.org. Um, maybe we can add that on at the end or something. But uh, this is the preface, touched it, why we want to kind of go through this book again, how we think is valuable for us and maybe for others. And then we'll step into kind of our introduction in the next episode before we really hit chapter one. All right, God bless. God bless.